Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, you know exactly what to do. Five-star review. Please say some nice words. Subscribe on YouTube. You guys know exactly what we're trying to do. More importantly, today, my incredible guest, I have Rob Welsh. He is the he is a financial empowerment expert. He's an advisory board member for the Vanguard Holding Group. He's an advisory board member for the Payne Stewart Kids Camp. And he's the author of the co-author of The Winning Playbook. Rob, how you doing today, man? Fantastic, Michael. Good to be here. Pleasure is all mine. I'm very excited, obviously. I'm actually an ex-finance guy myself, so maybe we can get in some nitty-gritty there. Where it might be a little bit of fun. Um, but, Rob, we're here to talk about sports. We always are. So I got to ask. The question I ask everybody first is... Why do you love sports so much? Man, that's a great question. You know, ever since growing up, um, been involved in sports. Remember watching, you know, my dad was, um, before he went in the Marine Corps, he was actually a really good football player. And then, um, but I remember we used to, we used to watch, I was in upstate New York, we used to go watch the Canadians, the Expos, uh, he's a big, big, big Giants fan, Yankees fan, and uh, we used to go to the baseball games when we could. But um, I remember growing up in that environment and, you know, football on TV and just playing in the snow and being involved in track. I used to be a professional bowler at one point. It's not a team sport, unfortunately. Um, but I, I love what it I love what sports does. I think it it really fosters an environment of um, just friendships, just everybody towards the same goal. And um, it's kind of what led me to the Marine Corps as well. I love it. You said professional bowler, correct? I don't. I think that's professional a bowler at one point. Yeah, that is a first for the for the love of sports podcast, man. I mean, well, it wasn't on my list, but we're absolutely going to talk about being a professional bowler at some point during the show. This is incredible. A couple different ways we can talk about sports here, which I think is very very exciting. First, obviously, we we want to talk about the book. We're going to get there. Um, we have to get into you first, though, to understand where, where, you know, as you said, you were in the Marine Corps, your father was in the Marine Corps, your father was played football, you've played sports, you understand that aspect. What led you to finance, out of curiosity? You know, I, I was, um, after the Marine Corps, I was in restaurants for dog's age, I ended up becoming an entrepreneur and never wanted to work for anybody else ever again. And um, my brother in 04 got back from Iraq and he ended up in the Dallas VA hospital, respirator coma, not make it through the night type of deal. And so I had to fly out to Dallas and, you know, he was getting better. Um, there was this like the second time I had to go back after two days cause he wasn't getting better. And he had five kids and a wife and, you know, and then the third time he did pass away, but he had his life insurance policy. They couldn't, we couldn't find the military one, so they didn't honor it. And then he had no life insurance outside of it. So five kids and a wife. Didn't think too much about it except the fact that that was terrible. And, you know, I'm married for 35 years now and got a kid. And um, my dad passed away a year later with a brain tumor. And he he had barely any life insurance for legacy type of stuff. And it just came, you know, opportunity came to meet with just where I was. And I got recruited by a couple 20-something-year-olds into a mortgage and financial education company. And I was 43, so... I brought the look, some life's experience, knew not much about money, but over the course of quite a few years, we became very, very good at it. But that's what led me there. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's it's the story behind it, right? It's it's the why. That was always, you know, when I was in finance, mm-hmm. I worked for Edward Jones, incredible company, just 
The business was not for me. Um, loved everybody there, loved the company, what they did, and, and the fact that you know I got into it to help people. And that was always the thing that really got me is like I, I was very privileged going up. I did not have too many hardships. I'll be very upfront and honest about that. I got dealt a hand of cards, and I believe I played them and have played them so far pretty damn well. So I'm very, very grateful for what I have been given over life. But even just kind of getting out of college and realizing there's so many people that like at 22, I had more retirement savings than like 90% of Americans. And that's like kind of scary. Now, again, hand of cards was very, very stacked in my favor, but still like not everyone will, will be able to do that. And so it's that why behind it. I mean, it's it's such a difficult fa- finan- you know, a field to be in. Like, what was it about the right? It's it's entrepreneurial very much so. So where does where does the entrepreneurial aspect come? Because the finance part, hey, you know, anyone can do it, right? Air quotes for anyone just listening. Where does the entrepreneurial background come from? Because one hundred percent, everybody cannot do that. The entrepreneurial um, background came after twenty five years of. Uh, you know, restaurant business, PTSD from that industry. It just, you know, I had, <laughs> I had always, you know, like w- was always looking for other means. Right. And I, you know, I was very disciplined. I had, you know, got in and then at one point I just made a decision that I'm not going to work for anybody else ever again. And I didn't quite know what it was going to be, but I made that decision and kind of just went out. I had an idea. didn't need to know all the how-tos, but I figured it out. Brought the right people with me. So I never tried to do anything on my own. I just fortunately knew to bring the right people. And that whole entrepreneurial thing took off. But there is a there is a feast or famine sometimes. And you have to have a big why. Right? And we'll talk about that probably as well. Yes, it's it's all about the why, man. If you don't have a why, you're doing it for the money. You're not going to get. I mean, I'm yes, I'm sure there's a couple guys and girls that have, uh, but I think it's the why that really gets everybody to where they're going. Yeah. Really, just in life in general, I think, which is the important part. So I'm curious. You you, you talk about the you know these two twenty somethings. They kind of recruit you. They do they do recruit you into this business. And there was the financially literacy part. I'm curious. Is does that come from what you saw with your dad and what you saw with your brother, or or, or is this coming from other places in life where you thought? You know, if, if just this person understood how compound interest worked, the places they could have been 10 to 15 years down the road. They literally um, sat with one of them and he was telling me what they were looking to do. They had the mortgage company, obviously. And in San Jose, if you, you know anything about real estate, I mean, the average refi was like 750000 right? So it's like, um, but they also had the financial empowerment division where they were teaching people education on money. And it was a, you know, it wasn't a very complex presentation, but it was, it was something that I had never seen. And I was like, oh my gosh, I fell in love with the idea because I was a minister on staff at, at a church at the time. And, you know, I love helping people, but, you know, having... Teaching people how, because I didn't know anything about how a mortgage actually worked. But when I found out how the mortgage worked and, and collaborated in with how financial empowerment worked, um, I literally took off. Because I loved the ability to teach people, but I wasn't going to tell people what to do. I was going to empower people by telling them, you know, educating them. And they questioned what they were actually doing. And once people start questioning what they're doing you're hoping that they can get a little bit closer to the right answer, right? Like, yes, I'm sure you don't want to tell them what to do. I'm sure you could tell them what to do, but everyone's experiences are different, right? Not everyone has the same upbringing. So it's very difficult to say this is how you should do things. I see the way some people I know do things and it just blows my mind. It's like, hey, man, like if you want help, I'm more than willing to help you. If you ask questions, I'm more than willing to answer, but I'm 100% not telling you what to do. And it sounds like you're going down that route. Very yeah, well, because 
Because what happened is, like, I already know what's going to happen. Like, if I ask you questions about something and you don't know the answers to it, which I probably know you don't, it kind of opens up your mind to question your own belief systems. I can't change those. I can help you to question your thinking. But, like, the thoughts and the, the process around a mortgage, right? There's certain process people think certain things around a mortgage. But the reality is, is that if you really understand how a mortgage works, you do it differently. Same thing with, you know, 401ks or whatever else is out there. Um, the education with why is life insurance poor? What kind is it? You know, all this stuff. Giving people the tools and the questions they should be asking. But what I realized was through our process and through education, um, it opened up their mind to say, uh, what should I do? And that, yeah, at least you're getting one step closer, which I think is the important part. So now, yeah. now I'm curious, right? So you've been in this space a little while now. How many years? 18. 18. So you've, you're, you're able to drive most states. You can buy cigarettes in this industry. So good for you, man. You, you, you've grown up. You obviously know what's going on. When, when did you and Jonathan, uh, your co-author, when did you guys get together and say, you know what we should do? We should write a book. Where, where does that idea come from? That's uh well, it's a, it's a different path, right? So when I moved to Dallas five and a half years ago, uh, a business partner had actually met Jonathan at an NFL alumni that he got a thing to. And everybody, you know, they're just trying to get around the NFL alumni. And he was just, you know, my business partner's smart. He's very successful. And he, you know, and he just, you know, he started talking afterwards. And it was just like, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing is taxes, right? So he just said, you know, hey, you know, blah, blah. It was just a conversation. They connected. Jonathan's from Dallas. He's from Fort Worth. And he said, hey, you got to meet this guy. So he ended up coming to see me. And I ended up spending some time with him. We ended up pulling all of his account. I educated Jonathan. And over three months, at one point, I said, hey, do you even know how mutual funds work? And he said, no. I said, everything you've got is a mutual fund. And he ended up, um, over the next three weeks, he ended up coming back and he had fired his own advisor. And because he, I said, what's up? And he said, fired my advisor. I said, why'd you do that? And he goes, I know more than him. I said, yeah, okay. So he, um, he realized a lot of things through pulling up those accounts that the 401ks and all of that. And he realized what, man, I don't have access. I don't have this. And he realized he needed to be empowered to really do stuff. So he wanted to take that step. So over the course of the next year plus, then I got a public, you know, Indigo River reached out and they asked, hey, you're, we don't have a genre like this. We've been following you. And I was like, OK, so let's talk. And so we had a conversation. I said, you know, actually, it's an opportunity here. I think this would be a good co-authored book. I got the real life national champion, 10 year NFL guy, and we could write it in a co-authored type of format. And we got on the phone. He went back to his board and they came back. They loved the idea. That is awesome, man. And I think it's really important for people to understand, right? You're, you're, you're speaking with an NFL player and he had essentially no idea what was going on with this financial situation. And like, it's, it's so easy for us people, you know, I'm up on the, I'm on, I'm on my couch on Sundays being like, man, they're so lucky. They make millions of dollars. Oh, this, that, and the third. And then you, you start to do some very quick math. It's like, well, actually half of it goes to the government, right? Like immediately you cross out half of it. So whatever number you see, it's half of it. NFL players, yeah. whatever number you see in the contract is probably half of that. And then half of that number is actually maybe even what they're getting, right? And then they have their advisors and they have this and they have that. And it's it's just one of those things where it's it's so easy to see those big flashy numbers. And that's what everyone wants to think about. But in reality, they really have no idea what's what's going on. And it's kind of, I mean, it's sad. It's right. Like it, it is what it is. You should know what's going on with your money. Personally, I know everything that's going on with my money. I know all my subscriptions. I know everything that I have. Right. But when, you know, it's you come from different backgrounds, you're 22 years old. I was pretty stupid at 22. I don't know, Rob, were you, were you kind of dumb at 22? Like, it's just one of those things. And when you see something like that, how do you 
how do you even approach that conversation? I know obviously you empowered him and you educated him, but that's got to be like a just like a weird spot to be in, right? Yeah, he was actually he saved money. He was an old lineman, so he didn't make Tom Brady money. But you know, his dad played in the NFL with Namath, and he had some mentorship a bit, but. He knew how to read contracts. He knew how to read the collective bargaining agreement. He knew his contract was one page, but he he saved some money. And he, he started, he realized, the one thing about Jonathan, he realized this isn't forever. And he treated it like that. And he, he did, you know, he, he, he did okay. So he had money out there. Plus he's got, you know, the money that's locked up right now with the NFL is quite a bit. But the tax situation, right? City, state, county, federal, depending where you play. The, um... So I lost track of thought there. What was the? How was no, it? it was just kind of. We were just kind of riffing, going back and forth a little bit. And I think it's really, it's, it's really important for people to understand that, like athletes, they have so many things going on, right? Like your your job is to make sure your body is in full peak condition so you can go out there and get hit by a yep. truck every Sunday, right? And it's it's mm-hmm. you know when you say it like that, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, hey, like I love football and so do you. It's I, I'm not going to change my my beliefs, right? As we were talking yeah. about before, I am curious. So you guys decide to co-author this book. You say, you know, you have former NFL player, as you said, national champion, 10 years in the league, if I'm not mistaken. The dude was, he was good. He wasn't, you know, not to to demote anybody, no scrub or anything. Like, he wasn't on a practice squad. This guy was playing in the NFL, and as you said, he saved some money. You have this idea to write a book, but what's the idea of the book? Originally, it was, um, we had this, we had this major thing about empowerment, and it's really to take back the veil and secrecy of, you know, money and, and an agent and life and to reveal kind of like there's this isn't complicated. We had 142 pages to simplify a 700 page topic that typically people write the the aspect of the book itself and being able to have the first half was geared towards future athletes and the second half was geared towards current. But over what we did is we realized that this really information isn't just for athletes. This is really for anybody. And you look at chapter one. What's the first thing you want to be able to give the information to a youth in school maybe? What's a W-2? How to budget? Here's this. How do you pick an agent? But it's the questions you should be asking to figure those things out. With the second half was geared towards you know, like financial strategy, how does money work? And the book is non-biased towards any particular way to go. It really is unveiling, here's the questions you should be asking about this, Um, because most people don't know what to ask. How do you pick an agent? Chris Cabot with Lee Steinberg's organization, you know, I kind of knew him a little bit, so he was able to do a little interview on there, right, which was nice. But the, um, but yeah, the, the book was, geared originally towards future and current and the title of it when we originally were doing this before Simon and Schuster came in was it had top secret and it said winning playbook what they don't want future and current athletes to know and it had a 40 like the like a, a playbook Jonathan had a 49ers coaching book it had the spiral and then they changed the cover up because they said okay this is the way but we wanted to attract everybody so they changed it to life strategies which made sense but the material has applicable courses probably to go in there and write about later on that is awesome and i think it's it's great that you're able to then like kind of expand that right like obviously it's for athletes it's for entrepreneurs it's for people that are just trying to better themselves and just learn but at the same time because you have you know an nfl player with you it's probably a little easier to get into that athlete realm anyway so maybe you don't have to completely target it so i like the idea that you guys and shaman and schuster the four of you if i may um you guys came up with together so i think that part is pretty important and 
through the process of writing the book, I, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest. I wrote a book. It's on Amazon. You can get it for a dollar. Um, it's called Winning in Sports Business. If anyone out there wants to learn how to get a job in sports business, I interviewed a boatload of people, and I pretty much just asked them, how would you get a job yeah. in sports business? Makes it super easy. I kind of did that because I had all these interviews, and I got kind of bored during the pandemic. I'm not going to lie to you, Rob. Like I got very <laughs> bored during the pandemic. I had a lot of time on my hands, so I wrote a book. And is it the greatest book ever? I already know I could have made it better, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm always disappointed about. But what was the reason behind writing the book and, and wanting to get it out there? Was it just to empower people? Was it to find clientele in some way, shape, or form? What were some of the, the, the avenues you guys were trying to explore? When originally we were writing it, we, we weren't transitioned completely to a private investment banking stuff. And, you know, it was it was really to get the information out to empower, but we knew that it would lead back to us, right? Currently, because of what we do, um, there's when they say there's no money in the book, they actually mean there's no money in the book, right? I'm not trying to get on the speaking circuit, you know, it's not, but what happens is this is more of a passion play now to get it into the schools, to get the recognition of it. But also too is what it does is if you look at NIL right now, right? The biggest thing with NIL is like, you know, how are you receiving the money? Number one, right? Is there tax protection on it? The book talks about strategy, right? And also too is what do you do with the money? And the book addresses that. The reality is, is that with programs that we created for people that don't have 100 million for the institutional world, we created programs for those that as little as 30,000 to be able to do something and put them in a position to joint venture with what we do as a trust and to be able to put them in a position, you know, 3% a month, four, six, whatever it is guaranteed on payments. And it's a game changer. So, it, you know, with what we do, we launched a, we launched a, a initiative where we started with football. You get 18 paychecks, professional football. We get checks in the entire offseason. Be part part of our portfolio. And also, if you've been out 24 consecutive months, or you're going to be out 24 consecutive months, then you can get access to your retirement funds. So there's, there's all this stuff that we're doing to really position people to win. Our main thing, you know, I'm, I'm 60, and in, in our partners, we're all like-minded. We didn't come from money, but we all want to do what's right. And you look at the athletic world, the lack of education on, you know, people are trying to keep people where they are for a reason, right? There's there's just no education on money in particular or or thinking about sports as a business. Bethel Johnson's a business partner. He's a A&M guy, you know, he's on the wall, he's on the uh, wall of fame um, for the Patriots, the two rings as well. And he said, had he focused on and had a goal of being in the Hall of Fame, he would have been there. But he said that would have made it enjoyable playing in the NFL is if he treated it like a business. That book, So the book kind of addresses that as well. That is That sounds like a pretty awesome story. <laughs> I told, you know, I told um, one of our, because we went out to Deion Sanders' um, camp and Power Hands and Vanguard, we sponsored one of those that, that day. And... We, I told, I was telling Danielle from Power Hands, I said, man, talk to Dion. I will donate books to his entire team because the reality is what that will do for those kids is absolutely amazing. Dion has done some really cool things um, down at Jackson State, if I'm not mistaken. He's yes. done some really, really cool things, some out-of-the-box ideas, and that that's something right there. Like being able to get somebody in that can just at least teach you about the bare minimum. Like, and I'm again, not to, not to say you guys are teaching the bare minimum. You're obviously teaching more than that, but even just to get that information, have someone come in for a day, talk here, have these books, whether you read them or not, that's kind of on you at that point, but at least you have 
the idea and you have the understanding if you're trying to learn here's i know he did one really interesting thing where he he brought in um a woman i can't remember her name or what she did but she pretty much explained to all the players like hey like this is what you look for when you're when people are just trying to get you because they know you're an athlete like women or men or whomever are just just trying to find you and just trying to spend time with you because you're an athlete i know he had someone come in to talk about that and it's like really cool that i mean he's a former player he's a former athlete he's obviously was at the top of his game one of the greatest ever do it so kind of seeing that, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of hope, right? It kind of gives you hope that there are people out there that care. Well, that's the key, right? You find the runs with the right values, and Dion is absolutely – think about it. He played that double sport professionally the same day as well, and th- that dude is a stud champion, but you, you know he's just, he's just a good person overall, right? Um, when you find people like that that want to make a difference and they're able, you're able to support something that they're trying to do and you're not really necessarily trying to get anything back out of it, it's a giver's gain type of deal. And it's all about relationship in that aspect. And we have multiple stories of those types of relationships that we have around us. And so uh, as you were saying, that now this is more of kind of a passion play and you're really just trying to get this in as many athletes' hands as possible. Uh, you or, give people. Us, or people. Or yeah, people, I, I, yep, yeah. Yep, great point, great point. I apologize. So you, you've gone and you've, you know, you've donated books places. Have you gone, as you said, you don't want to get on the speaker circuit, but I don't know, Rob, you're pretty darn good at it. So like, have you been going places? Like what are, what are you doing to try and get as many books? Because it's very easy to say, well, Rob, why don't you just give the book away for free, right? But it's not quite how it works. So I'm curious. It doesn't like, work that way. You have to pay kind of, for it someplace, right? Exactly. So, and um, so we've Jonathan's been doing a lot of the stuff that uh, Merrill Moss Media sets up, and then also too is he's got an engagement now at Carter High School where he went to school. Probably about three hundred kids there. He's going to do you know kind of educational thing. We've done co co events together. Um, we've you know done a bunch of podcasts, done a bunch of stuff. And what I realized in the in person events now when we're together. There's a good dynamic there, but also too is I love talking about personal development. I love talking about, you know, a mindset, winning mindset and, and really how do you, you know, manifestation and like abundance mindset. And because the, I made, I started making money after I stopped thinking about the money and I started placing value in others and I started looking for where I could serve others and it's taking my eyes off myself and placing them on others, right? The minute that, and, and here's the thing, and once you, Whatever you focus on, your, your dominant thought is you're going to head towards it, right? And I think prior to the financial world, um, as an entrepreneur and at losing everything at one point, when we thought the promised land was there, right, the me and the wife, and then losing everything and then having to go back, always finding a way, and then being in personal development with a mentor for five years. That five years of being broke, struggling, but make it, get it done, focus on solution, not problem, um, uh, Two months behind in rent, right? Fighting over five dollars with the wife, not a happy situation. And then, but focusing on what you're looking for. And then, when I came into the financial world, I, I netted over a quarter million the first year. But it wasn't because I entered the financial world; it's because of all all the stuff I had learned in the past, human nature, all of that. Teaching people that that's probably one of the most important things to to be able to is really to invest in yourself because you'll never earn your self esteem. Number one. But also, too, is whatever you focus on, you're going to get more of. But serving other people and that giver's gain and not chasing money, right? I mean, that's, that's the, that's, I, there's a lot of key. And surrounding yourself with the right people and protecting the, protecting the relationships. We've, I, I mean, the church that I'm at right now, um, we, you know, I gave, gave the pastor a book and I said, how many books do you want for the congregation? I'll just donate them. 
and then he came back, give me a hundred, I'll give one to each family. And it's, it's going to bless the families. It's an amazing thing. Who has to buy them? I have to buy them, right? So I got to buy them just like everybody else and donate those books. But I feel that that's important. I'm sure you'll get a lot more back than you know, it, it, many dollars. Absolutely. You know, I, that's where it's all at. Exactly. That's what we're trying to do, man. We're only on Earth once. You might as well have a good time while you're doing it. And whoever is like, oh, no, I, I feel too great when I give stuff to people and I feel good. Like, no one does that, right? It's, it's always fun to be of service to others. Like, I'm 100% of that exact same mindset, um, you know, controlling your thoughts, you know, being abundant mindset. I, I love all that stuff. I practice all of it. So we are absolutely speaking the same language here, Rob. I think that's important. And, and the same thing, like, as I said, like, I... I don't care about the book. If anyone wants it, send me a message. I'll, I'll, that's the one thing I, I would go speak with college classes to talk about my book and be like, hey, like this is the things I learned. The way I would get the teacher to let me come in and talk to me, like, I'd give a free, I'll literally give a free copy to everybody. Just, I'll just send you the PDF and you guys can do whatever you want with it from there. And, and you know, so that was always something that I tried to do is I'll get like, I have the PDF version. I could just give you that for free. Now, whatever psycho just reads a PDF of an entire book, teach his own. I also have the Kindle version, so I prefer if you read that, but teach his own right like and we're just here to, yeah. to to give and to try and help and that's what this show is i have a blast learning from you right and then hopefully all the people that are out there are learning a little bit maybe they go check out your book so yeah and i you know and obviously too is we want people to buy the book i mean we we sold a tremendous amount outsold the hard copies of our first week on the print run and then um, couldn't find them anywhere i mean barnes and noble and everything which was awesome and then you know people lag i'm putting the reviews up but we're up to 15 now and they're all really good reviews and the reality is, is that, um, you know, getting the book out there, getting it in, you know, to empower people. And my wife's from Okinawa, Japan, and, you know, he sent 30, Amazon sent 30 books over there for us and everything like that. But, you know, they got people now that want to buy those books, right? And it's, um, it's catching fire. I love it, man. Well, kudos and congratulations to you um, and your author, co-author, obviously. One more time, The Winning Playbook. Make sure you go out and check it. Um, I, I think it's awesome, man. I think, you know, helping, you know, the, the, the initial... Um, the the initial idea of trying to help athletes, I think, is an awesome one. There's so many athletes. You brought up NIL. I wrote it down on my paper because I want to make sure after the call I have some people I'd love to introduce you to that you might be able to get in front of and help even more, right? I think that's the whole goal of this thing. And I think it's really important now, like, kids, A, never really had any idea. Like, that was always something. Even when I was, like, 17, I was like, I don't know what a mortgage is, and I don't know how taxes work. Why am I learning calculus like just teach me how yes. like taxes work like i don't understand what a pr- progressive tax bracket is like what does that mean like i'm gonna do yep. that more than i will calculus like i understand why we learn calculus but also you should teach me how to do a mortgage like what the hell that is why do i pay property taxes it's bullshit but that's the whole other reason so like it's those types of things that even at a young age i was like this is this doesn't make any sense like teach me the things that i need to learn in some capacity i might mm-hmm. retain some of it at least I'll remember a little bit of it and be able to move forward with it. So I don't know. That's always something. But I think it's awesome, especially now with athletes. We see it all the time with professional athletes. At least they're making millions and millions and millions of dollars in some situations, right? Not all athletes. As you said, Not all. Your, your, co-athlete, your, your co-author was an offensive lineman. Check what the average guard makes. Is it more than me and you? Probably. But they only do that for like three years. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, you don't know if you're going to continue to play, right? Not it all hurts. of it's guaranteed. It's Sometimes, yeah. not most of the most of the compensation goes to the quarterbacks, and so the ability. So what happens is, I mean, you get you're going to get a check, and depending on where you play, you're going to get taxed, and then you're probably going to keep about forty percent of it, maybe after everything, taxes, agents, all this stuff, and then 
that's got to last you for the rest of off season and then for your rest of your life. And if you don't think about business and you don't think about how to make it last. So we had strategies that we put in the book that talked about how do you keep 70 plus percent of that money? And then if you got an agent, how can the agent actually set you up so that your marketing dollars, your agent fees, everything go to an LLC backed by trust structure so that you can now get tax write-offs and you can now keep money. You can donate to a you know found private family foundation, 30%, write, write that off, and then be able to get disability and all this stuff. There is, um, there's other ways, right? And people don't know. Athletes don't know to ask this, especially if you play in football. Football is like the shortest, right? And being able to know that, treat it like a business, understand, like Mark Moyer has this book, right? And he's part of this. He's out, of, he's out of New York and he wrote the book about, you know, getting a career and networking as his podcast. And he has, you know, he's very good and he's got interviews with some pretty cool people. But, you know, I actually, it's a really good book. And I, you know, I put part of it inside of our book. Because I think the fact is that networking, Jonathan said the biggest thing is networking. Um, and he said the agents, it's a parasitic community after your last game. And he, I said, how do you pick an agent? And that's why that chapter is in chapter five on how to pick an agent. Because it tells you the questions you need to ask to figure out what type of agent you should be picking. And agents, if they don't have money, that's that's another thing. And I, you know, I talked to Lee Steinberg about that. And... It's it's one of the things like if you got an agent that's new and they don't have relationships and then you got an undrafted free agent, they got to make calls. And that's when the work begins. But if they don't have those relationships and you can't pay for their training camp, you should be partnering with somebody, even if you're 50-50. It's it's a it's a very weird world out there, especially, as you said, in football, uh, because, yeah, it's. It's a so much. I mean, think of it from a fan perspective. Like, well, we all love fantasy football, right? It's what have you done for me lately? Very easy to just kind of say, okay, on to the next one, right? And it's 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 unfortunate. Uh, and yep. you know, agents, hey, they have to make their money, so they're going to go wherever they can. They believe they're going to be able to make the most money potentially in most situations. So it's definitely something that you really have to pay attention to uh, if you are an athlete. And, and shout out Mark, cool dude. I've known Mark for a little while now, so that's that's a uh, that's pretty cool. I did not realize that you have you put part of his book in yours. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, very cool, Rob. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. So there's two more things I do want to talk about. I promised that I would bring up the professional bowling aspect. You got to tell me a little bit about it. How, a, what exactly is a professional bowl? You've got paid money to bowl. Is is, is that your line? You of professional? Yeah. You have to win to get paid. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I started when I was, I think my dad took me someplace. And I bowl, I started bowling at 12, fell in love with it. And then, you know, you bowl in teams, you get to leagues, you know, and then I went in the Marine Corps and I'm in Okinawa and Camp Schwab actually had a bowling center and I had some time. I went there and it, the guy who was at the center, he said, because I was pretty good, he said, you should go pro. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and, you know, I was like, all right. So I just, you know, and then after I got out and I ended up in restaurants and I, you know, and then at one point I started pursuing it. But back then there were qualifications. You had to be an average for two years, this blah, blah, blah. And I was working towards that. And I had finally got a coach when I moved to California and somebody who, you know, could see from behind per se, right, and show me. I got halfway decent, never got on the tour, did the regionals, uh, made a little bit of money, not a lot of money, spent a lot of time, had a lot of equipment. And then um, at one point, but you know what it was, it was, uh, I had camaraderie, and but I also enjoyed the spirit of competition. I always enjoyed getting my, see if I could be better. 
talk about frustrating. You're in, you're in a thing. You got your name on the back of the jersey in a tournament, and there's you know some hundreds of people behind you, right? And then if you don't bowl a good game, it's just not a good feeling, right? I mean, it's like, oh man. But then you know, turn around, you have to snap back. It's all a mental thing. I wish I had the mental, mental, emotional strength that I have today that I did back then. And um, but you know, it's a learning thing. It's um, so. Bowling was something that was a good experience, but after a while, it steals from your family, right? And so I decided at one point, put my family first, and I should have done that a lot sooner. But when the moment I did that, my, you know, my wife still has anxiety about that at that time, right? She goes, hey, said, just put everything out there. I'm donating all my stuff because I ended up... Um, I ended up realizing it was a realization moment for myself at one point coming back from LA on this event and I came back and I had this, just this desire. Okay. I'm dropping it. It's like an addiction, you know? And, um, seriously, like hundred hours, you know, like on top of hundred hours. And so wow. I came back and I had probably a bunch of shoes sponsored Dexter. I had custom, I had, I had probably 20 plus bowling ball equipment, all this stuff. And I said, just, she was happy to have somebody come pick it up. And from that moment on, you know, it was, um, yeah, I've, I built great relationships I, with my with my son who's 26 now. He works for me and my, my wife is extremely happy. I'm not bowling anymore. But I can tell you, one of the best experiences, but I would have liked, I, I honestly would have liked to have been in it today because it's a team type of environment as well. Uh, I personally hate bowling, mostly because I think I'm really bad at it. But it's awesome that you took bowling, and I mean, it sounds like you're a professional, a literal professional athlete in the sport of bowling. Now, that maybe why you only made some money and not a lot of money. I'm not. I offered to- stock. <laughs> I had a stock offering on myself. I sent out a newsletter. I I went around and I I That's learned awesome. it from I learned it from one of the guys who was on tour. And I went around and I I went around and I created an offering letter and offered you know shares and rob. And and it was uh, pretty cool. When you when you donated all your equipment away, did you did you have to pay? Did, did the stock go to zero? How exactly did that work? It was pretty much nothing. Yeah, so <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Though. At least you got creative on how to stay up there, man. I like that. Yeah. It's obviously again going back to that entrepreneurial mindset. You'll literally do anything you have to do to get to where you want. And you brought up something a couple times there, that, uh, saying like, "Hey, like I wish I you know I wish I knew now what I knew then." Right? That that whole thing, or I might have mixed that up. But mm-hmm. the you know you talk to any athlete, like they're. 25 right like i remember when i was 25 i'm 30 now i turned 31 in a couple days i remember when i was 25 i was dumb i remember when i was 27 i was still kind of dumb that was only three years ago right and you're giving all these kids all this immense amount of money and now like if you could if you could have that emotional stability that you know mental awareness that you have now when you were 27 you would probably have been you know, the greatest bowler of all time, right? But unfortunately, that's just not how it works. So it's cool that you guys are able to take the lessons and experiences that you had, you being the athlete here, Rob, let's let you be in the, I hope you have some bowling stories in that book, but really being able to put them on, on display and be like, Hey, this is, this is what we do. This is why we do it. These are the things that we learned, learn through us. We paid the dummy tax, right? We paid, we did the stupid stuff. So you don't have to, are you going to take everything in this book? A hundred percent. No, that's if it if it was that easy, Rob, we would all do it, right? But there's enough information in there that many people, many athletes, can take advantage of what you and Jonathan have done and be able to push themselves forward. So I think yeah, that that's funny that's story. Awesome. Yeah, funny story. I was riding with Jonathan. I think we were going, to, you know, visit family or whatever. I'm in his truck, and and it, we kind of knew each other a little bit now. And I said, 
so we're talking. I said, yeah, I used to be a pro bowler. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, you think of football, right? And it's like, no, pro bowler. And he goes, oh, use that. You can use that, right? Love so, it. Hey, man, don't, don't, don't hold yeah. that. I love that. And then the last thing I do want to talk about here, uh, it, it's, you made me mention it. And you, I got to mention it in the beginning, so I'd be, be very remiss if I didn't bring it up. Advisory board member of the Payne Stewart Kids Camp. Talk to me a little bit about what that is. I know it's tied to sports in some capacity. A golfer, mm-hmm. you, I, I'll be honest, I don't know too, too much about it. So I'd love for you to tell the people a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, so Payne Stewart is a very famous golfer. Died too young, but he was really, his passion was really uh, kids, right, and teaching you know, faith, fun, family type of characteristics. And a really good friend of mine is the founder. He was working with them and he created the Payne Stewart Kids Camp Foundation. He used to be with the PGA. And what it, what it is, is it's uh, four to seven year olds. And it's, it's, it's giving them, because there's nothing out there for four to seven year olds and all demographics don't have access to golf, right? But it really doesn't need a, it doesn't need a golf course. It could be a, a gymnasium. It could be a church. It could be a, a field. It could be soccer fields. But what it is, is it was put together to be able to provide fun equipment, but also, um, you know, bring these kids in, teach them about golf, but also, you know, character and values and stuff, and then um, teach them how to golf, right, and make it fun. And then it'll be a feeder for when they turn seven, eight, it'll be a feeder to bring them into the golf courses, but it gives any diet any demographic opportunity to be able to introduce golf into it and bring it bring it awareness about so i ended up we ended up funding them and so um we ended up you know so he talks to me about you know advisory stuff hey shall we should do this you know tax stuff or whatever they got they got a great team but the vision of what he wanted to do was amazing and i caught on to it right away and we had the means to be able to support that and help them that is awesome, man. Yeah, see, it's it's uh, one thing that I always love about this show specifically is when I have people on that are not athletes and seeing all the interesting ways that you've loved sports your entire life. As you said, your father was a football player. You used to go to games constantly, the Montreal Expos. I think that's only the third or fourth time that's been mentioned on this show, right? But you found ways to inject yourself into sports because you love it so much, whether it is being an advisory member, whether it is – you know, meeting a, you know, an offensive lineman one day and deciding, you know, what, we should probably write a book, like doing all these different things. Now, granted, we learned that you were a professional bowler. So the athlete's been in you the whole time, Rob, but learning that, you know, learning and figuring out ways to inject yourself into the world of sports. I always tell people, I always mention on the show, the world, the sports is an industry. You can do anything you want. You could do it here or you can do it in consumer packaged goods. Personally, I'd rather do it in sports because that's the thing I love the most. So I think it's awesome that you found so many ways to get in, the ways that you're helping people in multiple facets, Rob. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Uh, tell everybody where we can buy the book. Well, you can go to, you can go to um, well, I guess Amazon.com. And where then where you do also... you make the most money? I, I could go to Amazon any day, but like, where do you actually get a little bit of a kickback? How about Kindle. That? Yeah? Kindle. Audio book will come out in Audible. They said to wait six months, but you didn't go if you're trying to find a link. So the Kindle book pays the most. The um, the yourwinningplaybook.com is being revamped and updated, and um, the reason being is because there's a lot of traction. And we one of the Sports Business Journal actually published an excerpt from the book, and then. Uh, Merrill Moss Media actually talked with them and presented something. So the intercollegiate event they have with the NCAA, athletics, all these people, is about 500 people at the Bellagio December 7th to 8th. 
Um, we created something where we're going to be going in, um, and Power Hands will be with us, but we're, me and Jonathan are going to be on their main stage for 20 minutes with a moderator um, addressing these people. And everybody that's there, anybody who goes there, um, will end up getting a free link to a, a book, and then hopefully that drives it into you know going to the schools and everything else. But to be able to have the Sports Business Journal say that about us and to be able to look at us as that opportunity is a huge deal. And then the events that we've got, anything coming up is usually it's, it's on there, but it, it's, it's kind of lagged now because they're revamping it. And the yourwinningplaybook.com. I will make sure that those are both in the show notes. I'll hyperlink to Amazon, the Kindle version, as well as the website. Uh, I've had people from Sports Business Journal on this show particularly. That is awesome. So kudos and congratulations to you guys. Giving that book away for free. They read it. They love it. They realize, you know who should learn more? My athletes, my students, all these people that that are affected by this stuff. So I absolutely love it. Rob, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening for their time. Time is the only thing we don't get more of. So I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you giving me some of yours. But other than that, appreciate your time and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. Absolutely, Michael. Thank you. Bye.